All right, so we are continuing in our, our series, New, and we've talked about becoming a new in 2022, a little piffy rhyme there. Um, and so if just a little recap, we, we talked about that in Re- Revelations, Jesus says that I'm making all things new. And this is the process of the whole Bible. You know, in verse 2, God created, and it was perfect unity, harmony, Everything was perfect, and then uh, through our sin, through our selfishness, we are separated from God, and since that time, um, it's God's creation has been degrading in many different ways. And so Jesus promises to make all things new, and that process began in the garden. And so we're in that process, and we're, we understand that the, the separation began with a heart. They stopped trusting God, right? The serpent came in and all he needed to do was lay doubt in their head and get them to stop trusting God. God laid down his command, his law, his will, if you will, and he said, when he said, do not eat, and the serpent said, surely, he didn't mean that, right? Surely you won't die. Surely what God said wasn't true, and so he tempted them, their free will, so that they would choose themselves over God and over one another. And so since that time, God has been in the process of of redemption, of making all things new. And so we're talking about the new that we see that comes with the arrival of Jesus in this world. And we said, if it started in the heart, if, if, if the the separation came because of a selfish heart, then that's where it needs to begin. And so the first sermon we did in this series was about when we receive Christ, we receive a new heart because the old one, Scripture tells us, is contaminated with the sin of self. And so once we receive that new heart, we talked about last week that now we have a place that the Spirit can dwell. God's very Spirit. Jesus tells the disciples that I must go so I can send the Spirit back. And now we are the body of Christ filled with the Spirit of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is very important in this time right now between the first and the second coming. You've heard me say this, that you know, in this time, Jesus has ascended between his first and second coming. Jesus will come back. Um, during this time, Jesus is Lord over the church, but the Holy Spirit is Lord in the church. The Holy Spirit is Lord in our hearts. And that's, it is the Holy Spirit that does, that is the power of God that does the work of God in the individual and in the body of Christ. And so we have to have a new heart to receive the new spirit that does all the work in, in Christ's death and crucifixion and ultimately resurrection. It is the Holy Spirit that joins us, unites us with Christ so that his death becomes our death. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. His righteousness, Scripture tells us that God, when he looks at us, those that are in Christ, he no longer sees my unrighteousness, my unfaithfulness. He sees Christ's righteousness, Christ's faithfulness. And how does that happen? Because I've been united in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so we have a new spirit. 
And so today we're, we're going to make a little shift. We're going to start talking about new covenant and new creation. And so today I, uh, we're talking about new wine. And we're talking about the whole section um, about the unshrunk cloth. But I thought, what would be a more enticing title? Unshrunk cloth or new wine. So I went with new wine. Um, so we're going to talk about all of that today. Um, and what does that mean? Because the reason I chose that is because really it's an introduction of Jesus to his disciples and to the people that are hearing it of what's happening. Because remember, in Jesus' time when he's walking the earth, nothing's happened yet. It's coming. He's beginning to say things differently. He's beginning to present them differently, but nothing's happened yet. It's getting ready to come. So some of his teaching is letting them know what's about to happen. So our scripture today comes out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with him. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskin. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that the, your Holy Spirit would guide the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that all those that are gathered here, all those that are gathered online, Lord, would receive what you have for them today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so here's a question. That, and understand, and this is a story that's in all, all of the three synoptic Gospels, um, and they all have a little different vent. Or lean to them. The Luke and Mark have more of an emphasis on the 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 new not fitting with the old. Matthew Matthew has more of an emphasis that on that there yeah it's new but the old and new fit together. So we're going to kind of just collectively talk about all three emphasis. And so they're talking about fasting. So even. Uh, John the Baptist's disciples are questioning why some of the traditional things that are supposed to be adhered to that Jesus isn't doing and his disciples aren't doing. Because Jesus is kind of the transition to the new. And so they begin to ask about fasting. And the tradition was that uh, they would be fasting up to the time of the wedding. And when the bridegroom, it's much more involved, but we don't want to go into all that. The bridegroom would come in, then um, the fasting would stop and the celebration would begin. And so Jesus is given a little foreshadowing of what's going to happen even in his under, talking about the old and the new. Because remember, he's, he hadn't ushered in the new covenant yet. 
There's a lot of new things that are going to happen. And he's presenting them and he's teaching them to them. And he know, he tells them, and when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come back and teach you all things, remind you of all things that I had said. So he's, he's like uh, putting data in these human computers so that when they get powered up, they would be able to um, understand what Jesus is saying. Because Corinthians says that um, we can't understand anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. Who can discern the things of God except the very Spirit of God? And so they're going to wait for that. And I told you last week, Jesus says it's so important. He tells the disciples, go and wait. Don't start anything. Don't do anything until I get there in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what's going on. And Jesus is often, when you get into Revelations, when you get into the end of Ephesians, uh, referred to as the bridegroom. And the, and, the, and the bride is who? The church. And Jesus is going to, the bridegroom is going to come. But it's going to be different than what they understand in the worldly understanding. Uh, because the bridegroom is going to come twice. He's going to come first, as, as Malachi says, as a refining fire to refine us so those that are in Christ can stand when he comes back in the judgment. And so Jesus is saying, hey, first of all, if you want to get technical, the bridegroom is with them right now, so they don't need to be fasting. And Jesus really wasn't there to address the technical, but he said, if you want to get technical, if you want to be legalistic, I'm here, the bridegroom, and they didn't understand it, but we have the privilege of hindsight, um, the bridegroom was with them. So they, there was not fasting. He says, there will be a time, here's his foreshadowing, there will be a time when the bridegroom's getting ready to leave, when he leaves, then the fasting and the ceremony, and the tradition will be appropriate. And so he's kind of laying that, that out there for them so that they know. But this bridegroom for the time was with them. And they talk about, and then they get into these parables, and these parables probably more than others are, are, are and they're not really parables, but metaphors, are probably harder to understand than some. Because you have to know a little bit about their traditions. And so we have to be familiar with some of the ancient traditions. Otherwise, it's difficult to understand that. And that applies especially for this text. But we understand that they used uh, animal skins to carry their liquids often. And wine was a fermented liquid. And it would oftentimes... It, it, would, it would expand, so it would have to stretch. So if it was an old wineskin, it had stretched to its limit. And so if you would fill it with new wine, and that began to expand, it would break the wineskin. And so with that imagery, Jesus is telling them that you cannot look through the lenses of the old expectations, of the old regulations, or you're going to miss what's right in front of you. You're going to miss what is new. And this, this goes along perfectly with our Bible study on um, Tuesday evenings. Because he's, when he says the old traditions, he's talking about the law. He's talking about uh, covenants. He's talking about the ritual. He's talking about those things. 
And he said, if you're not on with the new, you're going to miss what is happening. If you're stuck looking through the lenses of the old, then you're going to miss what God, this, this God, this new thing God's doing. And we're going to unpack that new in a little bit. But it's the same thing that God does in our world and does in our lives. So here God is doing something new. But we can't look at it through the lenses of the old. And, and that's the big truth. That's what's going on here. And, and the two best, two guiding Bible questions, you can um, divide these, subdivide these any way you want, but two main guiding Bible lesson questions is what's going on in the text, and that's what we've been talking about, and how does that apply to me? And so there's a big truth about the narrative and the story, and there's a little truth that you have to get to the spirit of it to understand. And so how this, would, uh, this, this truth would apply to us is that God does the same thing in us. And we can't look at the new that God is doing in our lives through the old self, right? We become a new creation. We, we receive a new heart. We receive the new spirit. And God, with that, God's going to transform us. And we can't make sense of what God is doing in the next phase of our life, just like we can't make sense of what God is doing in the next phase of redeeming human, humanity, through the old lenses. And see, that's what happened to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They were stuck in the old traditions. And some of them, they made up themselves. And when they looked at, when they're viewing everything from the old, it makes no sense to them. Why aren't you fasting? In the way we understand. All of these things, there were so many things that confused them. Not just fasting, but why aren't your people fasting? Well, he had to explain. Not that fasting wasn't part of it anymore, but it was different now. The Sabbath, right? Some of the things they had gotten wrong, and so uh, he had to correct them. The Sabbath, he said, you know, there was different stories and different gospels where they were doing something that could have been deemed work. He said, listen, you know, the Sabbath... Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for us. It's for rest. It's not to be a legal technicality. That I, it's not to become a work or a do. Do this, don't do that. You know, that's not the way to look at it. Um, all these different things. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and sinners. He hung out with, the, with what they deemed in the Old Testament and Leviticus as the unclean. Now, he wasn't saying that they weren't unclean. He wasn't saying that um, the law was bad. He was just, it's different now. Why was Jesus not afraid? Because the, the humanity, people were afraid to hang out with the unclean because they would make them unclean. Jesus didn't worry about the, hanging out with the unclean because he met, came to make the unclean clean. He was clean. They weren't going to make him unclean. He didn't have to worry about it. So the, the, 
the purpose, the foundation of the tradition was true, but Jesus brought a whole new perspective. It wasn't, the, the goal was no longer to stay away and avoid from the unclean. It was to make the unclean clean. And not just the physical, ultimately it was going to be you and me. The unclean spirit, the unclean heart that God was going to transform. Jesus came to make the, make the unclean clean, so those old traditional regulations and worries no longer applied. It didn't mean that there wasn't unclean and there wasn't an issue. Just a new solution, a real solution, a permanent solution in the person of Jesus Christ has come to the world. And so we have to understand that when God comes and gives us a new heart and a new spirit, and this is where I see Christians struggle all the time, is that the new life won't work with the old self. And so we might have an experience and we might come to Christ and, and we want Christ to transform our lives, but we don't give him our whole heart. We don't give him everything. And so we say, oh, Lord, take this old self and just patch it up. Right? Like that old ratty pair of jeans. Hey, just put some patches on here because this, this part of my life isn't good. This part of my life's not good. This part, you know, if you just patch that up, I'm going to go to church and get some advice and I'm going to patch that up. Jesus, God's not in the business of patching up because that's not going to do anything. It's about making something new, transforming the old into the new. So what we often try to do, we try to, try to make that old self do God things. We try to do it by our own power, by our own will, by our own desires. And it's hard. I was talking to my son-in-law. He's doing really good. He's a private pilot and he's come, uh, you know, he's been walking with the Lord last couple of years. But at the beginning, um, I was kind of talking to him, and he'd, he's a veteran. He'd been in Afghanistan, Iraq, northern uh, Africa, and uh, we were talking about it. And he knew, he knew that there was some, something needed to change in his life, and he wanted it. But it was just, he was trying to do it with the old self. And I remember one day, he, I was talking to him, this was a couple years ago, when he was in this phase of trying to do it on his own, on his own power. And he all, when we do that, we're just trying to fit the new onto the old, just patching it up. But he comes to me and we're talking. He goes, yeah, I've been reading this. I've been, he goes, Christianity, it's, he goes, it's hard. And I said, yeah, it can be. Especially when we're trying to fit the new on the old. Doesn't work. And it's frustrating. And it becomes a burden. Remember Jesus' words about being a burden? If your religion, if your faith has become a burden, you're trying to do it by the old. And that's where we get into this little side preview for Tuesday nights. That's where we get in. We begin to try to justify ourselves, sanctify ourselves, save ourselves by works and by the law. And the whole Old Testament is to tell us that we can't do that. 
So we can't fit the old with the new. We got to be a new creation. We have to, just like new wine has to go in new wineskins, this thing with God has to go in our new hearts, in our new selves, our transformed selves. And that's what continues to transform us. So then when we talk about the backing up, unshrunk cloth, we understand that um, when you attempt to patch up something, um, uh, a cloth, an unshrunk cloth on a cloth that has not been that has been shrunk, and you try to put a new patch on that, when it shrinks, it's going to make the tear even worse, right? Because it's not going to fit. So you have to put a, a, a something that fits, something that's the same in the same category on something. So it has to be an unshrunk cloth on unshrunk cloth, or a patch, or vice versa, trunk on trunk, right? So Jesus was, did not come to fix what was lacking in the old tradition. You know, what, what did I say? What, what we're supposed to learn from the Old Testament, well, number one, God is faithful. Two, we're not faithful. And there's nothing we can do on our own following the law, following covenants, listening to prophets, because we don't do any of that. That's going to fix our problem. That's going to get us to where we need to go. And where we need to go is a reconciled relationship with God. And all of that's law and tradition. That's not going to get us there. Um, it's not going to get us where we needed to, need to go. And the reason is because that depends on us. It depends on our own strength, on our own desires. And we're not going to get there. We're not going to get there where we need to go. We're not, we can't be righteous enough. We can't be faithful enough. We don't have the power. We, God calls us, but we can't do it on our own. Just look at the, the kind of God figures, Jesus figures, some would say in the Old Testament. Noah, Moses, David, Daniel, all the stuff they did and so many more. They, they did miraculous things. But did they do it on their own power? No, not the meat, not what they wanted. Moses says, I can't do it. He says, yeah, you can. I'll give you air and I'll do this. I'm going to equip you. It's not going to be you anyway. It's going to be me. That's what made Daniel, even though he was honoring and broke every commandment there was, he had a deep down a humble, repentant heart. The reason he went against Goliath is because he, said, he didn't say, it's not me, it's God. And so even in the Old Testament, we see these figures that do tremendous things, but it was not on their own power. It was God with them. It was only God being there. But the, the overall, and them included, they, they, they couldn't keep the covenants. They could not follow the law. They could not listen to the prophets. Those are things that happened throughout the Old Testament that tell us God's, and God was always there um, telling them, warning them, um, reassuring them. And then when he, like in, at the end of Deuteronomy, right, he, he gives them all these blessings and curses. If you just listen, to, it's not for his good. He wants them to listen to the law. It's like our kids. It, just listen to me. 
and you'll be in the right relationship with me. You won't get carried away and absorbed into other cultures. Just, just follow this law, be obedient, and you'll be where you need to be. And you will be blessed. And he goes through all the blessings. And then God, being God, sovereign and knowing all things, he goes, but when you do do all these things, when you don't listen to me, when you're not obedient, and you end up in a bad situation, like I told you you would be, return to me. And I will return to you. He's there waiting. So the law was in the tradition, uh, the covenants, the prophets was all to tell us to learn that we can't keep the law. We can't be righteous enough. We can't be faithful enough. In other words, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. I specialize in my own sin. Y'all got your own expertise in your sin. But we're all sinners. And we're none of us are going to be able to save ourselves. That's one of the reasons of the Old Testament in, in revealing our sin, our inability to keep the law, it points us to Jesus. Because Jesus is going to get us where we need to go. Does that mean that the law is bad? No. It says in Romans 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not know what... Uh, Sin was if it not, had not been for the law. And it could go on. I would not know my inability to keep it if it had not been for the law. I wouldn't have known any of that. And, I, and, and it's because I know that that it points to Jesus. See, that's, the law is great, but we can't keep it on our own. If we have the Spirit of God, then we can live into it. The, the law is only bad, Paul said, when we use it for something it wasn't used for. And that's our salvation. That's our redemption. That's what it's, it's not used for that. And when we come and we try to use it for that, we're in trouble. You know, I've told you the old analogy, if you're in a boat and you got an anchor and you got a life preserver... And the anchor is used for a very specific, it's not bad, it's not evil, it's not anything. It's an anchor and it's got a very specific purpose on the boat. A life preserver, life jacket has a very um, specific purpose on the boat. If somebody falls overboard and they're drowning and you throw them an anchor, that's a problem because that's not what it's meant for. That's not what it's used for. And in Galatians, that's what Paul says about the tradition and the law and all the things of the old. He said, that's not used for a salvation purpose. And if you end up trying to, which we do because we want it to be about us, even our religion. And so we, we want it to be about works. We want it to be about our obedience. The problem is we can never be fully obedient, righteous enough, faithful enough. But Jesus was the next step. Jesus was there to save ourselves, to save us because we could not save ourselves. I can't be humble enough. I can't be righteous enough. I can't be selfless enough. I can't be anything enough. I can do better than I was, and I get better and better the more I walk with Christ over the years, and I'll continue, and I can be better than I was, but I will never be good enough. And that's okay to say. 
In our human secularist culture, it doesn't sound right, but it's, it's what brings us together. When we're in self-righteousness and works and all that, that brings on condemnation and comparisons. Because I might not be able to be good, but I could be better than somebody else. And that brings all the, law, all the stuff that is tearing us apart in this world. When we all start from a place of, yeah, I'm not enough. I got some good points, but I fall short a lot of times. Then that brings grace and peace and humility and all that Jesus teaches us. So in the old system, it was all based on us and our ability. In the new system, it's all based on Jesus. At least at the surface. Okay, I got in trouble last week, so... I might get in trouble the other way. So I, at the end, I was like, oh, I got, I got to hurry. I got to go. And a bunch of people text me and say, don't stop early. Finish what you got to say. So I'm going to go that route this time. And I'll hear, I'll hear from the other half of you. So, but it's not, it, it, it is new and old, but it's just at the surface. That's what we have to understand. It's just at the surface. The fasting looks different. This looks different. But in the end, remember last week we talked about at the core, it's all the law of love. It's all based on love. Matthew's version of the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love others as yourself. All the law, all the prophets, he says, everything's based on these two. Paul in Romans says, if you, if you love one another, you have fulfilled the law. So if we drill down, it's the, it, it's, this is where you have the differences in Mark, Luke, and Matthew. If you drill down, Matthew's kind of right. It's not different at the heart of it. Remember we talked about Jesus coming and teaching right away about adultery, about murder. These are physical acts, but that at the heart of it, it comes from the same place. A contaminated heart. And so it's, it, it, it's, it's completely new and different on the surface, like our example in our text of fasting. But at the core, it is the heart. And Jesus is not going to um, <coughs> just patch up the old system or try to fill in the holes where it's lacking. He's making a whole new System, just like those ratty jeans I shared with the kids. He's uh, he's, he's not going to put a patch on them. He's not going to put a patch on our old life and ourselves. He's going to completely renovate. There's a book called uh, "Renovate or Die," and it's talking about churches, but it's also talking about. It says a lot of times in churches, but this goes for our personal lives too. That. A lot of times we'll say, I'm going to make a lot of changes, and we just rearrange the furniture. He says, now Jesus comes in and renovates. He transforms the old to the new. And so it, it comes down to love, and Jesus is not just going to patch it up. He's going to make us brand new. And that's what God does in us individually. Not just the big truth of the Old Testament to the New Testament, 
and what God is going to do in Jesus Christ and how he's going to fulfill his promise Promise in the next phase is brand new. But in our personal lives, the, the little truth that's big to us that we can pull out of this text is that God does comes upon us. And he looks at Jim and says, man, Jim, you are ratty and you've been through some things and you've done some things and uh, you're not really all that you should be. And he finds that old ratty Jim and he comes in and he says, and, and oftentimes we get convicted and we think, I deserve to be thrown away because of things I've done or the things I've felt. And sometimes that's what we feel. And that's not of God. That's of the devil. To, to weigh that down and say, yeah, because we're supposed to look into our past, but God doesn't want us to look into our hearts and it, to, to bog us down, to burden us. He wants us to look in our hearts and be honest with ourselves about our weaknesses and our flaws and our pettiness. But the danger is we, we do it, if we do it really honestly, and we try to do it on our own, and think, man, I deserve to just be thrown away. And God says, nope, I'm not throwing you away. They say, well, I'm going to need a lot of patches then, God. I need you to patch this, patch this. And you know why we stop patching up jeans? Well, I shouldn't say this. We don't do it as much, right? Somebody might patch up their jeans. But we don't patch up our jeans because you get too many patches on them, it looks silly. All right? It doesn't really work. It's just a temporary patch job. It didn't really change anything. And God, does, God comes into our lives and he says, no, I'm not going to throw you away. And no, I'm not just going to patch you up. I'm going to transform you. And I'm going to take the old and I'm going to make something brand new out of the old. That's, see, that's where our metaphors stop because we don't have anything like it because it's supernatural. It's of the power of the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is receive the gift of grace. And when we receive the gift of grace, God gives us a new heart, a new spirit. And through that spirit, God does all the work. All we got to do is receive it. We don't do anything. God transforms us. God uh, sanctifies us. God justifies us. God forgives us. God loves us. God does all of that. We just have to receive the gift and show up in the means of grace so that God can transform us. Jesus said, behold, I am making all things new. And it begins with the heart, and we receive a new spirit. And then Jesus comes into the world for the next phase of the redemption of all creation and humanity. And he doesn't just patch up the old. He doesn't throw us away. But he makes something new and transformed out of the old. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for your spirit that reveals your truth to us. Lord, help us to know that you transform us, you sanctify us. We do nothing on our own. But Lord, help us to give ourselves more to you and to living into our relationship with you through living more into the means of grace that you have given us. 
that you tell us if you show up in scripture, you show up in prayer, you show up in worship service, Christian fellowship, I will meet you there. So Lord, continue to make us new. Continue to transform us. In Jesus' name.